In the 1970s and 80s, a monster hunted the Connecticut River Valley. Seven bodies found, one survivor, and no suspects. I'm Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. I was seven months pregnant and stabbed 27 times, and I survived. My story didn't end that frightful night. This attack on me physically and mentally lingered for years. I'm Amanda Bedard, and I'm Jane's life coach and co-host of Invisible Tears. Jane is ready to share her story, and not just about her attack, but her healing process afterwards. As a platform for truth and healing, we are on a mission to help others that suffer from PTSD and help bring awareness to mental health issues. To hear my story and others, you can find Invisible Tears wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. If you guys want more creepy, scary, and strange stories from us, then you need to head over to our Patreon page. We post a new video every single Thursday that you can only see exclusively if you're a Patreon member. Plus, you can suggest topics to see, pick what videos we'll post right here on the YouTube channel, and get access to all the archived Patreon videos so you can binge through that. Click the link in the description below or on our banner or check out patreon.com slash scary mysteries. Five strange and unsolved vanishings from Arkansas. Arkansas, known as the natural state of America, has always been known for its expansive forests, scenic byways, and serene rivers. And yet, this southern state has its own share of dark secrets and mysteries that not everybody knows about. Here are five strange and unsolved vanishings from Arkansas. Number five, John Glasgow. On the early morning of January 28, 2008, a man named John Glasgow pulled out of his driveway in Little Rock, Arkansas. The 45-year-old worked as the chief financial officer and vice president for CDI Construction, a major contractor firm in the area. This would be the last time anyone would see Glasgow. He never did make it into work that day. Within just a matter of hours, the company formed a search party. The first place they looked for Glasgow was in Pettit Jean Mountain State Park. This happened to be the location where his cell phone transmitted its last signal. His SUV was discovered in the parking lot of that area. Authorities were then called, and they immediately checked for his personal belongings in the car. Inside, they found his phone, credit cards, and laptop. Everything was in account except for his keys and wallet. Investigations were made and they revealed some disturbing details. Apparently, before his disappearance, the company he was working for was under audit by the parent company, Dillard's. Glasgow, along with other CDI executives, had been in negotiations regarding the ownership of the firm, and this happened in light of its founder's recent death. Testimonies indicated that the missing man had received a hefty amount of corporate bonuses 
right before he went off the grid. Some of his people speculated that he could have been a victim of blackmail or ransom. Interestingly, the money they referred to was untouched. Seven years had passed since his disappearance, and Glasgow's family, friends, and co-workers were still hopeful that he would resurface. But on March 11, 2015, the tragic news was heard. On that day, hikers stumbled upon a piece of human skull on a trail along Red Bluff Drive near Pettit Jean Mountain. Arkansas State Park officials confirmed the next day that the remains belonged to Glasgow. When asked, the officers clarified that they hadn't classified the case as a criminal investigation given that there was no foul play involved. Almost a week after this strange development, Glasgow's clothed remains were discovered. On his person was his wallet containing his credit card and identification. Much to everyone's bewilderment, his body was found on a rock shelf 200 yards away from where the skull was recovered. State officials once again reiterated their no-foul play theory since they did not detect any initial trauma on the skull. Despite their insistence, the public still can't help but speculate on Glasgow's disappearance and death. His family, especially his brother, strongly believe there could be some sinister intentions at play. The truth is, they know the victim to rarely do trekking on the mountain, so what was it exactly that brought him out there that day? Number 4. Robert Lomax On the east side of Millwood Lake, in the midst of the rolling hills and valleys, is the small town of Saratoga. Everyone there knows each other, and it was a big shock when they found out about the disappearance of one of their most respectable elders in the community, Robert Lomax. For a man of 80 years old, Lomax was in exceptionally good shape, and he would choose to walk everywhere when he needed to get around town. Then came November 27, 1992, In the early evening, the deputy of Howard County Sheriff's Department received a distress call. Authorities rushed to the Lomax residence for the details of the incident. Witness statements indicated that the man had Thanksgiving dinner two days before at the house of his friends, Henry and Peggy Olden. He stayed up until around 5 p.m. As per his habits, he opted to walk back home. The distance between the Olden residence and his is short. But when it got to be around midnight, Lomax's family began to worry when he still hadn't returned home. The sheriff's department immediately mobilized a search and rescue team consisting of a hundred searchers and a helicopter. This effort went on for three days, but was eventually called off when it didn't yield anything. Sensing the seriousness of the situation, Authorities then called on the Arkansas State Police for assistance. State investigators did their part by interviewing people in and around Saratoga. They found no evidence of foul play in the old man's home, and yet local residents had the feeling that he was robbed and killed. As it happened, Lomax was known to carry cash on his person at all times. The Lomax case is currently considered a homicide, 
Though inactive at this time, the case remains open and is yet to be solved, and Mr. Lomax's whereabouts, whether alive or dead, have never been discovered. Number 3. Morgan Nick On June 9, 1995, Colleen Nick and her daughter Morgan went to watch a Little League baseball game in their town of Alma, Arkansas. It was around 11 p.m. when the girl asked if she could catch lightning bugs with her friends. Colleen was hesitant at first, but because of the child's incessant begging, she eventually allowed it. At around 10.45 that same evening, Morgan's friend saw her emptying sand out of her shoes near her mother's car. Her pals, on the other hand, were emptying their shoes only a few feet away from her. But then, in a later interview, the other kids said that they saw a creepy man talking to Morgan while she was tending to her footwear. When the game ended, Morgan's friends returned to the crowd without her. They told her mother that she should be at their car. Distraught at this point, Colleen rushed to their vehicle, hoping to find her daughter, but she wasn't there, and the six-year-old hasn't been seen or heard from since. Operatives from the Alma Police Department immediately came after they were called. The officers interviewed the youngsters who were with Morgan during their bug-catching activity. They found out that while dumping soil out of their shoes, they saw their friend talking to a man with a red pickup truck. Just as they were finished cleaning their footwear, they noticed the girl was missing. Upon hearing these details, police were immediately worried. Earlier that day, they were also called when a man in a red pickup truck tried to kidnap a four-year-old girl. Luckily, the child's mother saw what was going on and was able to stop the perpetrator from taking her. In just a matter of days, the Arkansas State Police and the FBI were reeled into the investigation. They formed a task force and launched a massive search operation to find the girl. They did it on foot, on horseback, and in air, but to no avail. Meanwhile, they created a composite sketch of the suspect... He was, at the time, thought to be in his mid-twenties to late-thirties, standing six feet tall and weighing around 180 pounds. Morgan's friends thought the man spoke with a hillbilly type of accent. Being a small town, the people of Alma joined in the effort to find the little girl who was actually from Ozark, a town 30 miles away. Pink ribbons were tied all over the trees and posts and buildings were displayed with her face as well as the kidnapper's composite sketch. Weeks turned into months and months to years. Still, Morgan remained missing. The only major development to have occurred in the case was in 2010 when federal investigators were tipped about a vacant house in Oklahoma. Allegedly, the place had the DNA of the abductor Seven years after, the FBI returned to the same house to conduct another search, but like the first, it ended up with nothing. Back in 1996, Colleen founded the Morgan Nick Foundation. Its aim was to help parents cope with the disappearances of their children. The state, on their part, renamed their Amber Alert service to Morgan Nick Amber Alert. This case remains open to this day. 
Number two, Rebecca Gould. Rebecca Gould's kidnap and eventual murder is thought to be the most well-known unsolved murder case in the Twin Lakes area of Arkansas. Her abduction and demise have been the subject of discussion on numerous television shows and true crime podcasts. It began with the 22-year-old dropping off her boyfriend at work. She was spotted later at a convenience store in Melbourne, Arkansas, on the morning of September 20th, 2004. On that same day, she had been visiting her friends in Guyon, a neighboring town. She also planned to reconnect with her sister before heading back to Fayetteville, where she was studying at Northwest Arkansas Community College. Much to the confusion of her friends and family that day, she never got to meet up with her sibling, nor did she return to college. Her disappearance was immediately brought to the attention of authorities who, in turn, went to search the house where she had been staying in Izzard County. There, they discovered the young woman's car, car keys, cash, and wallet. And then they came across the mattress which had been flipped over to hide a huge amount of blood underneath. Police then called for a murder investigation. A week later, Gould's body was discovered five miles outside of Melbourne. Her remains were tossed on a 35-foot embankment off of Arkansas State Highway 9. The medical examination found out that the victim had been bludgeoned in the head. For 16 years... The police never made a single arrest, leaving the case open. Nobody expected it, but in 2020, a big break occurred, plunging Gould's murder back into the limelight. On November 7, 2020, the Arkansas State Police announced the arrest of the man they believe is responsible for her abduction and eventual murder. William Miller was arrested at his home in Oregon, after returning to the States following an extended stay in the Philippines. An unsealed court affidavit revealed some of the grisly details of the crime. The perpetrator said so himself during interrogation that on the morning of September 20th, 2004, he knocked on Gould's front door, asking her if he could use the phone. Miller said that the woman let him in, then went to her bed, It is yet to be revealed what pushed him to do it, but he decided to grab the leg from a piano in the living room. He then went to the victim's bedroom and there bludgeoned her several times with the severed piano leg. She apparently died on the spot. The same affidavit revealed that the accused wrapped the woman's body in a blanket and placed her in the bed of his pickup truck. He then drove on the aforementioned highway where he dumped Gould. Authorities opted not to elaborate on how they were able to link the 44-year-old to the case. They did, however, say that the man was a former resident of Izzard County back in 2004. He is currently held in custody in Lane County Jail, where he awaits an extradition order to Arkansas, where he will be tried. Number 1. Melissa Witt Melissa Witt had all the qualities a mother could ask for from a daughter. Loving, responsible, and hardworking. Her neighbors in a small community in Fort Smith, Arkansas, also thought of her as very friendly and kind-hearted. 
known by the community as Missy Witt. Her disappearance and eventual murder shocked everyone. On December 1st, 1994, Witt parked her car in the parking lot of Bowling World, a popular local bowling alley. Her mother, Mary Ann Witt, was a member of the alley's bowling league, and the two frequently met up at the place to play and grab dinner. That day was extra special, as she was supposed to surprise her mom, who was already inside the establishment. Unfortunately, though, the 19-year-old never made it inside. Police records indicate that she was abducted from the parking lot that evening. At the height of the investigation, detectives found trails of blood at the crime scene, and there were signs of a struggle inside her car. Although authorities were looking at a homicide angle, the community in Fort Smith, her family and friends, were hopeful that the girl would eventually be found and rescued. Volunteers passed out flyers and knocked on doors for months, but all their efforts amounted to nothing. Adding more to the heartbreak was the news that came later on on January 13, 1995. Witt's body was found by two hunters who were trailing along the Ozark National Forest near Turner Bend. Responding police said that her body was nude and was placed near a headstone like rock. Medical examiners confirmed that she had been assaulted before being strangled to death. Meanwhile, her clothing items were missing from the crime scene, including her pants, underwear, jewelry, purse, and her Mickey Mouse watch. For 26 years, Witt's murder remained unsolved. Throughout those years, however, there came up several names that police believed to be responsible for the crime. Among these suspects is Larry Swearingen. He was, at the time, convicted of other criminal charges. He maintained his innocence until his death by lethal injection on January 27, 2009. Another Arkansas native, Travis Crouch, was also tied to the case. Back then, the man was incarcerated for multiple rape cases. He happened to live a few miles away from the location where Witt's body was found. However, there wasn't enough evidence to fully convict him and connect him to the murder. Thus, Melissa Witt's killer is still unknown. Her case remains open to this day, and Arkansas investigators continue to receive tips and leads about the crime. So there were five strange and unsolved vanishings from Arkansas. There's always something uniquely unnerving and disturbing about people just vanishing without a trace. As of now, we only have theories, speculations, and details of investigations to work on, but no decisive answers. If you guys enjoyed this video, then please check out our Patreon page where we have even creepier and scarier videos for you guys to check out. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you soon.